The Big Red Couch, the podcast about making role-playing games. A group of GMs and players draw ideas from the mystery box and bring their game pitches to you. Good evening, listener, and welcome to The Big Red Couch, episode 131. I'm Craig, here in increasingly chilly England, and on the other side of the world where the sun is deciding to show its face once more and warmth and light are re-entering the universe as we know it. It's been. Actually, it's spring, which is just cannot make up its mind. It's raining. It's sunny. It's hot. It's cold. It's just ludicrous. But yeah, that's how it is. Okay. So if, if you don't like the weather, wait five minutes kind of kind of territory? Indeed. All right. The pleasure of living on what is functionally a giant isthmus. Mm, uh, the tiny and increasingly derided island on which I uh, have have made my home is, I think, in the process of copping bits of a hurricane, maybe? I've heard some stories about it. Nobody's entirely sure what... Nobody I've talked to, at least, has been entirely sure on what the hurricane has been called, so um, I, I've been trying to persuade people that it's actually called Hurricane Bellend. That's not going well, I'll admit. Is this an advanced political metaphor, or is just the... No, no, it's actually just the weather. Right, the Met, the Met service is collapsing along with the rest the actual, of it. Yeah, I've, I've given up on advanced political metaphors at this point, because um, well, the satirists can't bloody keep up, so um, what hope do I have? I, I listened to the Brexit cast, which is a very animated discussion, but the delivery is people giddy from being on the roller coaster for too long and about to pass out. Yeah. They, they are legitimate BBC political correspondents. So they do a lot of stuff. They go to the, the party conferences, they go to Brussels, they've got, they've got a really good perspective of it, but mostly it's just kind of a breathless, faintly hysterical, we've got no idea. It's fun, in a dystopian sort of way. Yeah, yeah. There, there was the, the, the plan, I, I've actually forgotten how long ago it was. It, it, seems, it seems like forever, but there may only be a couple of days that um, a possible solution to the um, the whole border issue that is currently dividing, or indeed not dividing, the nation, <laughs> is that uh, there was this ambitious scheme whereby there would be an opt-out given every four years to a devolved parliament that I don't think has met for nearly four years. Okay. Yeah, just madness and lunacy in every direction. It's... Um, Exhausting. Cool, 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 cool. So enough of enough of Brexit, enough of obtuse political metaphors. Instead, let's talk about upgrading our donkeys. Indeed. That's much safer topic, I'm sure. So the prompt for this episode is we have had multiple donkey upgrades at this point. And it's a statement, but it's also an implicit question. Hmm. So whether that question is do we really need another donkey upgrade? Or whether the question is, well, I mean, we've already upgraded it so much, one more going to hurt. I, I don't know whether anybody else had a, a Don Quixote thing going on. One. I did try to make it work, but I couldn't quite couldn't quite make it happen. Well, I guess that's a small mercy. I mean, probably, given how little of Don Quixote I actually read... And I was recovering from surgery at the time, so I'm not sure how much of it I understood. Yeah, it's given that it's placed in the, the canon of being like the, the first thing resembling a novel. It's a little bit experimental. 
and yeah, I, I have attempted to read it, and it's got away. I was like, this is very confusingly structured. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot of it. Mm, that too. Okay. So, no Cervantes. What, so, what, what do we have instead? Oh, Taz has, has given us an idea. Uh, I have an idea which admittedly started out by being me crossing out all of the things I didn't want to do. Fair enough. Uh, which seems to be a tactic that's working for me at the moment. Uh, how, how about you? Did you um, come up with something brilliant that will blow us all away and show us youngsters who's boss? Not really. I, I couldn't make that claim at even even in jest. Well, you brought uh, Taz's idea up first, so we might as well give him the benefit of being slightly more organized than the rest of us. Makes sense. It's only right. So, Taz writes, My first thought was of the classic computer game Mule, which is an acronym, and I realized that would actually make for an interesting game where you and your cybernetically enhanced donkey were a prospecting team. It would be a combination of exploring, surveying, mining, trading, and surviving random events. It could be an enjoyable hex crawl and would actually lend itself to solo play, which is a thing I'm into these days. Your starting point would be Colony Town, a settlement literally dropped in from orbit. That must have been exciting. It's chock full of settlers needing raw materials to get up the other niceties that the settlement needs. Yeah, you'd probably need a quest generator too. Not sure what would be a good system for that, or if a custom set of rules is called for. Mule's an interesting game. I did run into it many moons ago on an Amiga, I think? And it, it predates that, even. It's from that jolly, we're doing economic simulations that kind of look like games period of microcomputer games. There was a East India Co. trading game, like something like called Shanghai or something. Okay. You know, where you would, you would trade stuff to with with ports in China and so forth. I don't know whether it actually just recapitulates the Opium Wars in a charming eight bit fashion, but uh, probably did. And there was all you know. I mean, Elite was like the high end graphics of the time, but it also had a lot of trading stuff to do, to do with it. So yeah, it was a uh, and Mule wasn't really. It was basically, like most games at the time, it was like you were attempting to, it was multiplayer in the aspect you were attempting to get the highest score than you did last time, or you were playing like against multiple people and hot-seating it, rather than the game telling you a constructed story that you would move through. So just a bunch of systems mm. you would interact with and hope to get the best result. So, yeah, it's an, inter- it's an interesting idea. That makes, me, makes it vaguely nervous, because inevitably those games seem to be pinned around... The idea that winning at capitalism, regardless whether it involved trading drugs, human chattel, or um, various other fun things, was uh, what people wanted to see. But hmm, exploration of a of a distant, uninhabited, actually uninhabited land would be a it could be an intriguing thing. There's definitely a lot of there's a lot of risk to something like that, and there could be a lot of interesting things going on. Hmm. In a weird way, it, it brings the game Flatpak to mind. Interesting, yeah. Except Flatpak was was expressly optimistic, hope punk kind of stuff, wasn't it? Yes, yes, yes. It was just the sort of going out and finding the stuff that people need and 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 transporting it back aspect, which was sort of a very a very big part of the idea of Flatpak to the extent that I was able to figure out what the hell the idea of Flatpak was. 
Mm, the, me- the mechanics inside the game were a bit opaque. I, I would, yes, I give my eye teeth have a, uh, a chance to dissect that a bit more at some point. Uh, I like the ideas. It certainly was more about the 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 victory conditions or the the, the real the points of advancement is where you establish like housing and facilities and hospitals and so forth out in the wasteland, so people could you know leave the the bunker that the, the fragment of um, society had survived in. Yeah. So that, that kind of puts me in puts me in mind of that 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 may be a bit more hopeful than perhaps uh, Mule is, uh, uh, is is going for. It depends how um, much you want to dwell on the pathos of a cybernetic beast of burden, mm. and the idea that you know that you're 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 rampaging around taking natural resources off unclaimed land is iffy from a historical perspective but it's still i mean you know it could could be an interesting um sort of resource management game indeed yes um yeah having it as a solo solo quasi rpg does actually solve a number of the problems because i'm sort of racking my brain trying to think of okay how do you how do you make a game out of how do you make a a sort of a a standard ish rpg out of that and i am 100 percent failing if if the landscape is sort of completely devoid of of life and the only thing you really have to worry about is laser scrolls, hypothetically, then yeah, the hex hex, hex crawler resource grabber with um with quest generator might very well be the best way to go go for this one. Um there is a role playing game about playing the yeah, Torchbearer. That's the the game about playing a henchman or auxiliary porter in a, in a an adventure game you know also occasional trap triggerer ah so the, the playing it from that angle could be interesting i mean it could be a really disgusting version of uh more human than human that one is not ringing a bell more human than human uh frederick pohl the mars explorer who's altered to fit the, the environment oh Okay. I have the memory that the version of that I read might have been Man Plus or something. Oh, right, yes, yes. So, that would be a bit dark, though, because the, the implication there is that someone's being fundamentally changed to fulfill the uh, role of carrying heavy shit for someone else. To be fair, Mule does stand for Multiple Use Labor Element. Yeah, it does sound like a corporate euphemism for human resource. Yeah, I sort of a uh, we we purchased a bunch of of people from third world countries and shipped them off to this place to carry shit for us. Yeah, and um, yeah, and it's not really some, something I feel comfortable exploring. Somebody probably should, but I don't know. <laughs> I've got the chops there. It, it possibly should not be a couple of white guys on a. No, um, we we may not be the best. To to analyse this particular situation, mm. yeah, also also drug mule is also a term. So yeah, okay, oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. I completely forgot that. Oh, that is so much worse. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay, and possibly explains the cover art uh, of the game mule a little bit because I'm not quite sure what's going on there, but it does not look like it was put together by anybody whose eyes were pointed in the same direction. Yes. Uh, well, that does look like the uh, the mule in question has multiple upgrades. 
and it does so many upgrades. One of which may be a lamp. Yes, but the um, it does have a, a certain Mad Magazine eighties kind of art style to it. That is true. Yeah, yeah. We all right. So we'll run away from that one for a bit. Indeed. Thank you very much, Taz. Because yes, I had never heard of Mule. It does actually look like an interesting game that I would suck at so badly. Just I would be terrible at that game. Yeah, it's really stripped down. It's really stripped down. Sort of a cousin of like I think it's called Shanghai Trader or something like where you invested some things to get better at other things. And so very much something can be captured with blocky graphics and the uh, microcomputing era and spur a new generation of uh, capitalists into the, into the world. Spreading their legacy. Mm-hmm. Alrighty, so did yourself have an idea based on... I, I myself did have an idea. Like I said, I did, I did start out with the idea of the Don Quixote's sidekick riding his donkey. I think Sancho Paz, but I could be wrong on that one. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't quite make it work, and so instead I settled on well, okay. Why? Why? Why might somebody want to apply multiple upgrades to a donkey? And kind of tried to come up with a setting where that made any kind of sense, other than a video game. To be fair, other than a video game, because often, oft times in video games, you can just go, "I have a thing," click. I have a plus one thing without changing anything even sometimes and sometimes including the art involvement of the question it's like hmm okay you, something has happened it's not it, it, it's expressed mechanically but nothing else no other explanation is provided okay hmm that's an rpg thing as well of course just like i seem to recall that the game computer game dead space did have the whole thing of when you when you had an upgrade there was like a weird surgical unit that did it or something i could be misremembering both the game or the the mechanism um dead space was the the sci-fi horror game where you had to stomp on everything when after sawing the limbs off i believe that was the one yeah okay could have been i don't know if i got far enough of that one to enjoy upgrades but i'm sure it was just as traumatic as the rest of it i don't think i got particularly far either but that's a dim memory i have so possibly Hmm. kev showed it to me or, or told me about it or something Yes. Okay, so, yeah, I, I, apparently the phrase, we have had multiple donkey upgrades at this point, is actually one of mine, but I cannot, for the life of me, remember the context. What it put me in mind of is the idea of a, a pre-industrial world, but where it's, the technology is oddly distributed. So things might look low-tech and pre-industrial, possibly significantly pre-industrial, uh, while still having... A, a fair amount of the technologies going on. Kind of visual references, I'm thinking things like uh, Vampire Hunter D, which has got you know, very much that whole Western thing going on, but his horse is a robot. All right, so having failed to come up with anything that allowed me to drag in my own dimly remembered and poorly understood take on Don Quixote, I instead went with, okay, we're upgrading a donkey... Um, the idea of kind of walking a donkey through some sort of very cyberpunky alleyway and sort of popping the legs off and getting it up on the hoist didn't really appeal, though now that I've used that phrase, I'm kind of wishing I'd thought of that in a bit more detail earlier. And so I basically liked the idea of a world that looks pre-industrial, but is in fact 
does have pockets possibly badly distributed of high tech. And so to get there, um, I basically thought about environmental collapse. And it's I'm kind of going with a warm, fluffy environmental collapse, if that makes any sense at all. Uh, it's like an Earth, The Earth Abides kind of, or Yokohama Shopping um, Expedition kind of thing. I don't know Yokohama Shopping Expedition, but... Um... I'm trying to make sure I've got the right name. Sorry. Um, Yokohama Shopping Log. It is a story about humanity aging out and basically slowly disappearing from the Earth while a young female-shaped android runs a very, very quiet tea shop and in the big climax of the, 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 the action goes to town to get some stuff. Huh. It is the chillest apocalypse ever. This one's less chill than that. But, um, the, the notion I had was that you're in direct contravention of everything that we would actually expect to happen. Uh, it becomes recognised that a fairly serious sort of food chain ecosphere collapse is coming. And so in an effort to do something about it, you've got lots of different people working on lots of different solutions for, well, okay, how do, how do we buy some time to clean this up? How do we, how do we use sort of genetic engineering, maybe some genetically engineered um, sort of retrovirus packages to make trees a bit more efficient, make them better at sequestering carbon. Uh, how do we use our um, our quite nifty health nanotech to make it possible for various sorts of creatures to deal with atmospheric pollutants in a way that they're not all going to die and kill us all? So you've got a bunch of work going on in this vein until it's figured out that they just don't have enough time. That you know, these various techniques will probably work, but there's not going to be anybody or enough of anybody around by the time they can actually be implemented. They need they need some sort of fallback position, some sort of fallback solution. And so the approach, because you've basically got reasonably high-tech, high-tech but not magical level of tech civilization going on here. They've got orbital elevators. They've got all sorts of stuff. They've got a reasonably cheap and reliable way of, well, effectively freezing people. Hibernation. I'm kind of liking the idea of the enjoy your time frozen in carbonite approach, but that's just me. <laughs> but, you know, it's effectively a, you can get some people with fairly minimal prep, run the machine over them, and what you end up with is a reasonably hard to damage shell around some preserved people and a statistically acceptable chance that you can get the people out again at the end of it. And so as a way of buying time before they do... Well, effectively, the geoengineering equivalent of, well, we've got all these solutions, let's just mix them all into a bucket and see what happens. There is this grand and very deliberate depopulation, because whatever happens, it's going to get interesting, and it might not be that pleasant or survivable for people. So let's get the people out of the way so that we can fix the damn planet. It's similar to the situation in WALL-E, except with less space-going cruise liners. Right, so it's attempting to reboot the ecosphere without killing all the inhabitants. Pretty much, yes. I quite like the idea that, you know, for storage purposes, you know, if they've got orbital elevators, that maybe, maybe they've basically strung a cable around so that the Earth now has a, a very thin ring structure. But if you zoom in enough, you'll find that this is a ring structure that is entirely just made up of a cable with frozen people 
possibly wrapped in aluminium blankets so they're going to look vaguely like leftovers, tethered to it. Because mm. they just kind of hibernated people as they got to the bottom of the um, elevators, sent them up and parked them somewhere just so that they could try to fix the planet. And they try to fix the planet. They release just everything they've got in an effort to, to fix things. The, the plastic-eating microbes, the, 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 the pollution-consuming um, nanobots, the various, the various helper nanotech that can climb inside a, an, an animal and kind of eat the cancers before they form too much, filter the toxins. And it's had some knock-on side effects. As you would anticipate. Indeed, because that's fun. So, you know, you've, you've released the, the viruses that rewrite bits of you know, various plant species DNA to make trees more efficient at photosynthesis, better able to sequester carbon. What you didn't anticipate was them sequestering carbon in something a little bit similar to carbon fiber, having all of this extra energy and growing much, much bigger than any tree of that species reasonably should. Hmm. This kind of thing. And so the, I mean, the phrase, the phrase that kind of came to mind was, yeah, oh, somebody recently distributed a patch for equine me- metabolism, boosts oxygen transport, and me- um, metabolizing of metal poisonings. So in this case, it's not so much a physical upgrade of we'll just replace the legs on this, um, this donkey. It's, oh, we've got a patch for that. Hmm. Yeah. What I'm... Sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I thought you were pausing, so I was going to stick an aura. Go for it. No, no, you should totally stick an aura in. This would be the perfect opportunity to stick an aura. Awesome. Okay. So I'm, I've got a couple of trains of thought regarding this one. Um, one was the idea if the, if the, the human inhabitants have fundamentally... They're still on the surface, but they have been put into some sort of stasis. So the the, the deal is, you you won't age, or there's like you'll be completely recoverable. There just has to be a society around to undo this very advanced high this this high tech kind of time stop on you, which isn't a guarantee. Well, not certainly in a short in a in a short term. Yep, and. Possibly that the the that the process has has run its course, and there are some custodians who have been left behind to try and figure out what's going on to monitor the situation, decide when stuff is is better, or at least getting better. Uh, and suddenly, there there something has triggered them that means they need to find more people. Things are, are are improving. Things are not stable yet, but they do need to find more people. But they're just kind of scattered around out there. Which is not very good organization, obviously. But you have to, so you have to have somebody go out into this wilderness and find the the like the the the, the frozen generation of of pe- people. Maybe it was necessary to just like, all right, because the other chain of thought is like, okay, how did you how did you organize your sinister world government to? freeze people and then unleash what are functionally plagues on the earth i mean with the best of intentions apparently but how do you get to that point and the idea that there is also a game in there which is the prequel which is people who are going um no we don't want to do this this is this is terrifying and you have not explained this very well while the um the bubbling squads stalk around the countryside, zapping people into statues. 
and these folks are trying to, uh, you know, very legitimately not get involved in this process. Though, you know, they may be choosing a, a less safe option, but they're choosing it. So the idea that there is, like, the countryside is, is um, scattered with terrified or at least frightened-looking people, frozen statues, where, you know, where they happen to have been dis- discovered and um, stasis. Oh, wow. Frozen. Okay. So you've got this kind of this weird, not-quite-antiquity sort of thing. I think you mentioned before we had a, a, a small um, audio um, pivot. Uh, about Vampire Hunter D and how he has this this bizarre um, robotic horse, but is you know lots of the the background art are like giant crumbling causeways or castles or cathedrals and so forth, and the idea that in places yeah there are just glades where people have apparently been turned to stone. That would be yeah that's you're, very cool. Yeah, so the the notion that this is. It is fundamentally your post-apocalypse, but you've got the and you've got these these maybe the, the 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 guardian group has taken some hits, and because of the, the you know the the massive changes in weather and um, unexpected volcanism and so forth, and it's been they're just kind of clinging on to to the emission and what's going on, and they have to go and, and they're having to go and find people to to bolster their ranks and also give them some information about what was going on originally that's i mean i love the idea of uh the yeah of of the people just frozen kind of pompeii like but with the option of coming back um Mm. and the plants and everything just having grown up around them yeah and what i what i had been thinking from a kind of a who are who are the player characters point of view is you know there was probably always the plan before it became apparent of, oh, actually, we don't have enough time for this, and before the panic really set in, that there would be this this group of people who are going to organize things and monitor things and sort of help for a staged recovery, as it were. Hmm. And I kind of like the idea that the player characters are either maybe the descendants of those people, or they're people who... And, and very much in keeping with my wrong person for the job shtick that I dredge up with alarming regularity, which probably says bad things about my attitude to work, I'm not sure. But it says things about your experience of work anyway. That seems fair. Yes, the idea that these are maybe not actually the people who were supposed to be dealing with this, they're just the ones who are having to deal with this. Who knows what the the guardians of the planet and the ecosystem are actually doing, nobody's heard from the buggers in some time. Or, you know, this sort of thing would be to do this to an entire planet, to this sort of entire country would cause divisions, and to, 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 to enact this on an entire planet would... It's bound to, uh, to, to offend someone's sensibilities one way or another. So there are going to be factions within the custodians. At some point they may have taken in or been in conflict with factions of people who were totally against us in the first place, give it a couple of generations and you've got these weird little enclaves of, of folks who remember that have a mission to remember or restore the before times, but they're doing it in completely different ways. And they, some of them may have been fundamentally altered by the events that have gone on. So, yeah, this is a really... It, it could turn into kind of a K 
campy Thongor the, the Barbarian kind of... No, sorry, Thundor the Barbarian, not Thongor the Lemurian, though those things are different somehow. Wasn't that the terrible, terrible book you bought from a second-hand bookstore in Wangarei many years ago? No, I think that's one that you bought and gave to me deliberately because I mentioned that it existed. I don't remember that. Okay. <laughs> I have no Something memory of that event. That is not my head canon, and you should respect that. Um. <laughs> yes, but yeah, Thunder the Barbarian with you know, Ukla the Mock and so forth, with this this campy future kind of thing. But not quite. I'm trying to think of something that's a, a cultural touchstone that's sort of equivalent. A, a, better, a better fit, as it were. Slightly less bananas, but yeah, somewhere between that and Flatpak. And maybe not quite as... Not quite as iterated version of uh, the Monty Cook game. Uh, Numenera? Numenera, yeah. Mm. <laughs> yes, Numenera, but less Numa. Numa. Don't. Please don't. Damn it. <laughs> Son of a... Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, things I was thinking of were the way the city, or indeed cities, are depicted in the anime Log Horizon, where you've got enormous mm. trees growing out of what was a modern city bits of the show revolution yeah or even um a recent stuff.co.nz thing about the christchurch suburbs that got subject to liquefaction after the um sorry liquefaction um though liquefaction is close mm. after the earthquake there and there's a couple of not gigantic but you know sizable regulation New Zealand suburbs that they're just shadows they're just sketches of what they were mm. at one point and yeah there's a bit of a they're basically saying well these places have just decided to become wetlands once again so we might as well let them because it was probably a bad idea to build here in the first place yes Shrunk. there was a, a, a picture of what looked like a, a stream inexplicably with a gas lamp Sort of Victorian gas lamp looking streetlights on either side until yep. you realize, oh, it used to be a road that just sank and is now a, sh- a very shallow stream. Yeah, yeah, because the yeah, the, the, earth, the earthquake just basically turned all of the the silty sort of the, the substrates into, a, yeah, just turned them into a liquid and the road went, I'm going down now. Yep. <laughs> yeah, so it's quite a, it's quite remarkable and it's, it's, it's kind of a like exclusion zone prep yet kind of thing, but even more complete because they've, they've actually demolished the houses and cut a lot of stuff away. Mm. But it's just like, oh, that's gone now. How about that? Yeah, there's nothing there anymore. Yes, that's an interesting kind of. There's a couple of things there because I'm reminded of this electing to have to put humanity on ice for a bit to see if the world can recover. Strictly speaking, I don't think you'd have you have to re- unleash the nano plagues to actually probably allow the the world to recover, but it does really fit into the tech bro. We've got a we've got a, a technical solution for this, and it's causing more problems. But that's okay. We've got a technological solution for that too. Approach. Oh yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's rather than I mean, if you if you could just say okay, uh, we're going to put humanity on hold for a bit. And let the let the environment recover, that probably would work fine, because mm. it's you know the ongoing processes of stuff that people are doing day to day. 
one way or other, however, it's going to be a huge disruption. A lot of people will get very upset. Yes. So playing through that part could be exciting as well. Um, in a way, it feels like a, it could be an apocalypse world setting that someone's come up with. Aside from there seems to be a level of cooperation implicit in it. <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean, you wouldn't have or at to least... be cooperative, but it would be. Mm. I mean, you can do cooperation in Apocalypse World. I mean, masks is. Oh, I'm thinking. I'm thinking oh. straight Apocalypse. Oh, World, straight Apocalypse. Where... Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Not the Apocalypse engine. I I retract the comment wholeheartedly. <laughs> well, when when a GM is doing hard moves in the Apocalypse World, the, the good way to do it is to threaten someone that two players have an interest in. And it may be for completely different reasons. So, mm. yeah, you, you may want to build it more towards a, a more, and you know that's where the tension and conflict comes from. You may want to build this towards towards more a constructive kind of uh, thing, which would be cool. Which I definitely definitely yeah. enjoy that. I, I am rather liking the idea of the, yes, well, very much the tech bro. We can totally solve this, and the idea of whatever was done to to freeze the population actually having been released. As very much kind of a viral payload, so it just it allows you to have the whole thing of you know, people frozen running away from something we have no idea what drones probably yeah yeah the people who didn't get 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 frozen or hibernated well presumably they or their ancestors were in some place where whatever it is didn't get to them but, mm. um, yeah I I do I do quite like that that sort of the if you're going with the absolute last gasp, it's like, fuck it, we'll just hibernate the entire population of the planet, probably against their will, so we just won't ask them. It, it would be all, it would be very convenient to collect consent forms, so and it's much easier to make all of these drones with some sort of quantum hijack gun or something. It does remind me of the uh, Greg Eagles diaspora, where the, you know, the final, they, they're trying to save all the last vestiges of biological humanity before the uh, gamma, a gamma ray event basically turns the planet's atmosphere into nitric acid, mostly. Hey, okay. <laughs> well, yeah, it's gamma rays for you. Yeah. So, they're, so basically they're, 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 they're roaming around boxing them um, using nanotech to turn them into, just to, to capture their, their consciousnesses so they, they can be uplifted into the cloud and then further dimensions of space because diaspora is not a a lowbrow book okay but they are doing it aggressively mm. <laughs> and the the entire process is pretty traumatic so um yeah the idea that this is for your own good i'm just going to knock you out of space time for a bit and when you come back nothing you know will be the same hopefully we get all your all your loved ones in the same um same shot or things might get a little bit bleak for you yeah things might get a little weird yeah things might get a little weird yeah so that's a that's a possible mm. a possible thing the idea that i mean maybe i mean maybe with the the idea of along the idea of yokohama shopping log the 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 it's come to a, like a point of acceptance humanity there is is just entirely old folks just in a state of of retirement and and you know doing odd jobs and puttering along but this appears to have extended to the entire of humanity it's very picturesque very calm and beautiful and yeah it's like just a it's like a twilight setting lots of vistas of 
like small towns or cities partially submerged and it's all very and, but it's all very just sort of picturesque so the idea that maybe there was the that it came to a a point where sod it we're not going to mars maybe we have to accept that we need to allow the planet time to recover might be a maybe a conclusion people collectively come to i don't think it'll be everyone though well no so yes that, that's what i came up with okay so culturally confused explorers breaking back out into the world that was to find artifacts and indeed possible future leaders and explorers to help them re- recover a lost world a little bit or at mm, least okay. start getting the people back because yes if the people are kind mm. of frozen in place just sort of in the street or possibly buried up to their waist in what is now a swamp mm. well that's that's one thing um yeah you can at least get at them uh if, on the other hand, the majority of the people are wrapped in thermal blankets and strung off a planet-encircling cable 38,000 miles up, that's a mite trickier to get at them. That seems like a long-term goal, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that'd be kind of dark. It's like, yay, everyone's being rescued and we're going to the moon. <laughs> it's a very Sayer kind of plot, actually. Ugh. Have you... Have I recommended Sayer to you? I should have at some point. I listened to it for a while, but uh, it was not doing anything good for my state of mind, so I stopped. Fair enough. It is very much that kind of thing. Mm. Uh, for the for the podcast listeners, Sayer is a way more fa- famous podcast than ours, but it has... Seems unlikely. <laughs> it's a serial fiction podcast uh, done by Adam Bash uh, through Geekly Inc., I think, about the... The many tasks of a super competent and only mostly sociopathic AI called Sayer as it shepherds citizens, um, sorry, residents, through um, Halcyon Tower, which is a giant chunk of rock that crashed into the Pacific Northwest, endangering, flattening that part of America and endangering the rest of the world pretty significantly, which was relaunched by a corporation called Aerolith to become a science and research base to save humanity. They are super, super sketchy about the whole deal. Oh yeah. So does I mean, <laughs> they, they don't treat their slightly megalomaniacal AI properly, much less any of the people working for them. It's a good time. Um, well, it's been several seasons. I've kickstarted a few of them to see along and enjoyed pretty much every episode they've released, which is a several dozen at this point, four or five seasons worth. So yeah, interesting, dark bit of paranoia-esque fiction. There's definitely a little bit of paranoia. I, 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 there is explicitly re- they've referenced being influenced by paranoia to a degree. Okay. Um, Saya is not quite friend computer, and is that Saya is not insane. But Saya has a few subversions that are definitely crazy. Okay. Yeah. Good times. Indeed. Alrighty. So, what did you what did you come up with for this one? Nothing quite as concrete. One of the um, the things that I, I thought of was uh, the role playing game Red Markets, where they I've been on their Facebook group for a while, and I do want to get a hold of the game because it's a zombie apocalypse, but it's actually more about the economics, which is interesting. We seem to keep looping back to economics on this 
and why, why the reason that came that 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 came up is the um, what was it the players are what they're called takers, and they are people who are inf- uh, infected or semi-immune who live in a border world around the um, the safe zones and go out into the, the loss, which is the, the places where the uh, the zombies roam free, and to attempt to recover things and accomplish tasks to get themselves enough capital to actually get into into a into a safe zone and live a reasonably okay life basically to retire uh-huh. it's basically capitalism with zombies or zombies with capitalism one or the other basically indistinguishable one of the the aspects is that well imagine imagine when that that in your normal fantasy game when you get your magic sword you've got a magic sword like we said earlier, you get plus one. No one's sure how precisely, but you've got plus one. You are more effective. In red markets, you you are more effective, but you've also got to keep. You've got to do upkeep on whatever it is. Nothing just just works forever. the The world is in a bit of a shitty state. There's some technological marvels. I think they're, they're basically where where in your if you're in the vaguely civilized areas, the internet is basically everywhere. But a vehicle, a, a, a really uh, effective weapon, all of the all of the provisions and supplies and stuff that you need to survive out of the loss costs something to maintain. And you, there is a what they call a dronky, which is a drone donkey, kind of the big dog. It's a Boston Robotics. I think it was Boston Robotics. Yeah, yeah, car- car- like quadrupedal carrier things, and. You can have you have a kick-ass donkey, but you need someone to maintain it. It's just like owning a car or something. There is an outlay to keep it going. So what you can end up doing is succeeding yourself to death. Those several donkey upgrades could mean that your out your 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 outgoings, which are fixed, exceed your income, which is based on fighting zombies in uh, the wasteland that that used to be Washington. The world. So yeah, yeah, and that's kind of, and that's, it's it's an interesting concept, and it does it specifically places the tension around what you need to survive is also killing you. Ah, so that was, yeah, yeah, that is. Um, it sounds like a pretty adroit critique of the whole deal, so I'm fascinated by that. Also, there is a um, Warren Zavon song called Monkey Wash Donkey Rinse. Huh. And the lyrics refer to going to a party at the centre of the earth. It's a chirpy little song, probably about an apocalypse of some sort. Yeah, Warren Zavon, you can't rule it out. No, no. It's... It's a little less specific. A lot of bronze songs have a particular time and place, and they're about something intensely personal. This one's a little bit more non-specific, which is interesting. But yeah, so that's um, and thinking about those sorts of things, I'm like, yeah, hard to come up with a. I think I've kind of inserted most of the ideas I've had into like responses to what we're talking about already. The idea that playing the beast of burden on an adventuring party or something like something like that, because donkeys get a bad rap 
apparently they're as far as quadrupeds um, go. Oh, sorry. Hmm? I, I, I misunderstood completely. I, I, I thought you were dissing the, the donkey's ability to rap. And, well, I mean, they have no rhythm. It's just, it's just a thing. Um, that did not land as well as I'd hoped. Okay, donkeys get indeed, a bad rap. Indeed. Well, there's a, there are numerous sayings and, and insults from cultures across the world about donkeys being stubborn and stupid and so forth. But no, as far as quadrupeds go, they're pretty smart. And they make some horses look like real idiots. They're, donkeys are pretty conscious of their own safety. So if you're trying to make a donkey do something a donkey doesn't think the donkey should do, the donkey's not going to do it. Yeah. Don- donkeys look out for number one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there's... And, you know, there are folks who, who appreciate the charms of the burrow and associated four-legged critters. We haven't seen them turn up as, like... Well, actually, no, there are some sort of donkeys or mules in My Little Pony, but they haven't really busted out into the children's um, toy aisle so much. Bit of a shame. So, yeah. Yeah, so I chose, my, my meandering is... Is, is kind of failing me today. Oh, the... the you, it gave me an idea, but I, I realised... Go for it, go for it. Yeah, I mean, that's it's the point. I mean, the, the slightly ghoulish approach to the phrase multiple donkey upgrades could very much be um, sort of put down to sort of adventuring party, carrying all of their stuff, including possibly a suspiciously torn up and blood-stained set of saddlebags walking into a town or possibly getting a lift with a um, convenient hay cart and going and buying a new donkey to carry the saddlebags. Yeah, that would be... And yeah, you can just imagine the donkey kind of looking at it with a, oh, this cannot possibly be good um, <laughs> kind of thing. So, yeah, I... Donkey turns to camera. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, this ain't good. I don't like the look of this. <laughs> Which makes me wonder whether there is... I don't know how exactly you do it, but doing a game where the the focus is on and the player characters are the donkeys and beasts of burden, etc., who are basically dragged into stupid places, sort of dragged very much against their will to the secret door into the minds of Moria, etc. I'm not quite sure how you shift the focus from the the well, effectively the fellowship of the ring to build the donkey. Um, okay, you just give, may have given me an idea. Audient, I'm sorry. <laughs> you you should be. So the 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 beasts of burden are cursed, trapped somehow in a form that means that they can't by themselves make it into what is actually their 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 inherited homeland, the place that they should be. And the idea that they've come up with is they've slowly engineered a situation where knuckleheads will take them into the underground citadel, catacomb, whatever. And then they've got to engineer a situation where they get horribly killed (laughs) without A, making sure that the, 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 the adventurers have something to go back for. But they need to get another donkey to do it. So the donkeys are trying to get themselves horribly killed, or they're trying to get the the, the, the adventurers horribly killed. Well, it depends. Maybe that that horribly killed these traps aren't actually 
um, lethal devices. Maybe maybe they're basically just getting teleported to, to Donkey Nirvana. Maybe the donkey's just sick of it, and, and this is the best way out of this cycle of suffering. But Wow, that, that got dark. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, maybe maybe that there was somebody made a somebody cursed and banished a a fine upstanding people from their ho- their homeland, and the only way they can get back in is if someone is forcing them to go through the gates, and they're just trying to set up the circumstances where more of them will come in and bring more of their their fellows back into the um, into the into the citadel. Okay, so it's donkeys as cunning manipulator. Yeah. I, I can see it. It's a very weird game. <laughs> the idea that someone is engineering the pattern of adventuring to accomplish something adventurers know nothing about kind of intrigues me. And leads me on to this episode's weird thing that I would like to talk about. <laughs> it's like a, how I, how I sucked in there. Speaking of cutting transitions. Yes, indeed. Wendy's is doing a promotion, which is also a mock D20 fantasy role-playing game. Somebody with some game design chops definitely worked on this. From what, from what I've seen, it's like, it's, it's a, not an extensive, but not a, it's not gigantic, but it's a, it's a, it's a comprehensive mock role-playing system and a set of adventures. It's weird. Set in the wonderful land of French fries? Um... Uh, I think it's Fresh Freshovia or something like that. It is... Uh... I mean, I made shitty parody role-playing games at school. None of them are as comprehensively sh- <laughs> shitty as this. And But, yeah. You never even got close to this turd. <laughs> yeah. Ah, oh, seriously, it's like yeah. When you when you when you you start off with D and D paranoia and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as your basis, it, you're going to go weird places. But yeah, this is yeah. <laughs> this seems extremely. I don't know. It it's it speaks the amount of cultural impact that role playing games are currently having that Wendy's has put this out. It's. Not particularly condescending, but you do get bonuses in play for eating Wendy's at the table. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's a whole thing. Tongue-in-cheek, but not as tongue-in-cheek as it could be. It's, it's that sort of tongue-in-cheekness which seems, we're aware of what we're doing, but we're really not aware of what it means. Some, it's it's completely put together and you know game designers getting to eat good there's definitely someone there's somebody who's worked on this who's no, who's no who knows basically what they're doing there's there are illustrations of some sort of paladins in the wendy's sort of striped red and white and so forth <clears throat> it's all and they're they're fighting the frost jester who is presumably ronald mcdonald's mashed up with their their insistent that all their beef is is fresh ground and not frozen which is a just bewildering piece of piece of corporate propaganda but i mean it's a thing i i the one thing i don't get is that it doesn't have the same sort of nihilistic tone that their twitter account has not quite 
I don't know. Maybe it's a, a different aspect. I've never but... followed their Twitter account. <laughs> oh, yeah. Woke brands Twitter is crazy, and you shouldn't, because you're just engaging them and <laughs> encouraging them to do more. But occasionally you'll see something going past, like, like oh, did something happen? Did somebody hurt you, Wendy's? Huh. I'm just remembering the, the, the classic sort of comment, reply, and response for uh, uh, Taco Bell of somebody mentioning on Twitter how they had enjoyed Taco Bell. The Taco Bell account coming back and asking, hey, that's great. What did you get? And getting the response of, I got diarrhea, but it was worth it. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Right. Oh, boy. Yeah. So, I don't know. Did I just draw a terrifying line between the collapse of the environment, capitalism sucks, somebody working as a beast of burden for escape or survival, and this Wendy's promotional event? I think you did. That was unintentional, but it's all kind of lining up in my head at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Plus, I am really liking, and I know it doesn't make a, a, a lick of sense, but I'm really liking the idea of an adventuring party with their beasts of burden in tow, making it to the Great Hall, sort of seeing uh, uh, seeing this marvellous place. And then in the background, one of the, 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 the donkeys just slyly kicking a hidden, hidden lever. Part of the wall rotates around, all the donkeys are gone, and maybe the spaceship starts firing off in the back, up in the background. <laughs> yes. I, I think we've murdered that idea at this point. And then uh, balance the Wendy's Sunday on it. It's quite gruesome, but sure. Yep. Yeah, yeah. No, we are we are definitely careening up the deep end at this point. So on our upgraded donkey. Indeed, indeed. I guess this is we live in a society the episode. Um <sighs> Alright. So <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> a it's an odd it's an odd cascade of thoughts to have gone through over the, our, our recording session yes so speaking of recording sessions we, we we had the traditional poll running to see what would be the topic of our next recording session and the 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 audience has voted they have, they, they have voted to to a person or rather five of them and our winner for the uh, topic for our next episode number 132 is Big Red Couch Surfing. Tempest Red Eye Flight did make a strong attempt, but was was pipped by the aforementioned Big Red Couch Surfing. Okay. So, for your democratic engagement, we have, coming up on the polls, Malevolent Immediacy. Tempest Red Eye Flight, which, come on, you can do it. Irritable Geography. And Perennial... Well, we can't really say favourite, because it's still there... Can I submit the entire documentary of Tickled as a prompt for the box? Now, I'm really intrigued. I really should see if I should watch the the actual documentary, because it does sound super weird. I am waiting until such time as as that prompt gets selected, at which point I will watch watch the documentary. Similarly, it was similar to my approach many, many episodes ago with The President's Earth Chakra is Missing. I waited to find out what the hell an Earth Chakra was until the card was drawn. Right. Very, I don't know what the word is. It's it's not quite objective. It's more dumb. I think the word you're looking for is <laughs> dumb. Eh, it's purposeful, whatever it is. <laughs> it's bold and resolute and dumb. 
Yeah, yeah. All right, so donkey horror. That's what we delivered for you this episode. Donkey horror. That was the link into Don Quixote. Oh right, son of a. <laughs> okay, that's uh, it. We're recording bye, this everybody. one again. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs> Want to hear more of our shenanigans? Then go to hoarde.net and click on the button that looks like a couch. The Big Red Couch is released under Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported from creativecommons.org. All music on the show comes from the album Universal Fluff Theory by Krakatoa. Visit them at krakatoa.com or follow the link from our page. See you next time!